listener production. Have you ever heard the expression attention seeker? What does it mean to you? I think when we're talking about kids, the saying, you know, he or she is just seeking attention, ignore it, comes from this really old-fashioned idea that babies and kids are almost manipulative, that a baby, you know, is seeking you out more than you need or an older toddler is seeking your attention and you need to ignore it. And I think that our kids are always seeking connection because their survival literally depends on it. Today on Feed Play Love, what it really means when your child is having a tantrum. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. When a child cries or has a tantrum, it can be difficult to handle, particularly when the outburst happens after something small, like their toast being cut the wrong way, or like happened to me recently, you play the wrong song. It feels like your child is being difficult. You may think, or be told that your child is attention-seeking in a negative way. My next guest believes while that might be true, it's not the selfish behaviour others might have you believe. Jen Muir is a parenting educator at Connected Parenting and a mum of four. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hi, Shev. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. So attention-seeking, when I've heard it before, it's always been in a negative light. Mm. What do you think people who use that phrase tend to mean? I think that it it really boils down to the way it's a bit of an old-fashioned idea around children and around parenting. And a lot of it comes from a behavioralist model of how we used to do things. So if we saw behavior we deemed as less ideal, you know, for example, tantrums or hitting siblings or, or whinging, um, we would either view that as attention-seeking and say just ignore that in order to extinguish it or make it stop, go yeah, away, yeah. We wanted a social outcome for our child, or we might punish that behaviour and say that's attention-seeking behaviour, we should do something about that so we send kids to their room or we would smack them. Now, parents are not doing that these days and yet I think sometimes the idea that kids are attention-seeking still prevails. There's a bit of an undercurrent of it. Um, and it can just be, I know, you know, my child might be whinging or they might be acting up or they might be doing something they know not to do. And then the only reason for that might be, well, maybe they're just seeking my attention. And we view that as a bad thing. But I don't think any child or actually any human actually wants attention. I think even as adults, we're always seeking connection. And I think if you um, think about sort of why in terms of particularly children you know they're they're born and they're such you know they're sort of slow to develop in terms of babies and kids as a species we're really slow to develop and so their survival depends on their connection with their primary caregivers so they almost will give us the hardest time the people that you know they love the most that they feel the safest with we get all this behavior that feels less than ideal but actually that's our child communicating in a clunky way I really need your connection. I find it really interesting you make that distinction because for me, I think if my kid's trying to get my attention, then it's for a reason, right? Yeah, well, it is. It 100% is. So if your child's trying to get your attention, more likely what they're seeking in some ways 
or some way is the answer to the key questions kids have, which is sort of, am I safe? Am I loved? Am I seen? And so the fact that you're able to say, okay, my child is seeking my attention, they need something, means you're going to be in the right space to answer that question. I think that if we're given a strong idea that we should, you know, when our children are seeking attention, that that might be a negative thing and we don't want to encourage that, then that might stop us from being able to get into that headspace where we're able to answer those questions and meet our kids' needs. I think it's really deeply ingrained in people's psyche that attention-seeking is somehow inherently selfish or um, like you, you've mentioned earlier, manipulative. Um, mm. Let's break it down some more, shall we? Just to make yeah. it a, even clearer, let's talk about some of the ways that children might seek connection through acting out at different ages. Mm. Yes. Because I know you have experience of, of this on several levels. Let's start with the earliest ages. What about um, if a child is uh, having a tantrum around the age of two? You know, I think the way to think about it is that no child is ever going to walk up to you and say, I need to connect with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But they will hit their sibling or throw their toys or have a big meltdown where things just boil up at age two, like you just said. Um, you know, older kids might suddenly start stirring up their siblings. Children might refuse to play independently or refuse to move off you at a party. Um, you might find, particularly in social situations, that children will be acting silly or seeming like they're not reading social cues and you think, why are they being like that? Um, any behaviour that is annoying or antisocial, we could probably view as in an old school lens that's seeking attention. But in actually our kids are saying in those moments, please help me because <laughs> mm. I'm not. I'm not able to do this. And if we can always keep going back to any behaviour from our kids, it's always communication. And I think often when I'm working with parents, I will sort of say even my son at 13, uh, he will come home many days. He won't walk in the door and say, Mum, I'm really seeking connection. I'm worried about the exams coming up or I feel like I haven't had as much, you know, from you in this busy household lately or there might be something going on. And he'll come in, he'll throw his bag on the ground, you know, next thing he's complaining there's no good food in the house, <laughs> thumping his brother. And I could go that lens of, you know, what, why is he being like this? What is wrong with him? He's seeking attention. And yet if I can stop for a second and think, well, he doesn't want to be like this, so what is going on? And often the answer with all of these behaviours actually is to stop and just go in absolutely first with connection. And what I would do in that situation, often I won't say a word. I will just throw my arms around him and give him a hug. And you'd think at 13 that he would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm too cool for this. And he actually hangs in there surprisingly for a long <laughs> time. But I'm then thinking in my head, does he know this hug's going on for ages? Like it's quite a long hug. And that tells me how often I'm often rushing to not, you know, to, that I don't have the time to connect. And then when he finally often pulls away or wriggles away, his whole face is softened. Um, and I think it's just a good way of just highlighting how much kids just won't come and clearly say, I need connection because they can't. And their ability to come and just communicate that clearly isn't kind of fully developed till they're into their 20s. And we know even as adults, I think we don't always come up to our partner and say, I'm sick, I'm feeling like 
I'm quite disconnected with you and I want more from you, we're likely to pick a fight or, you know, we're likely Mm. to do it in that kind of inappropriate way as well, just like our kids. So when you talk about connection and you you mentioned there that children are usually seeking the same three things when they're seeking connection, which is am I safe, am I seen, and am I loved, right? Yeah. So you mentioned one response there could be to give them a hug. Mm. Have you got any other suggestions of how we might create those moments when we're noticing that kind of behaviour coming up? So I think the first thing is that we notice it and we stop and we have that thought like, okay, my child is seeking connection and you're kind of going in with that lens of, I wonder what is going on here. And often with a young child who's maybe having a meltdown over the coloured cup you gave them, you know, if we stop for a second, we're like, oh, you know, they're adjusting to a new daycare or they've dropped that day sleep recently or there's a new sibling in the house, like there is often a reason really close to the surface. Um, And same with older children, when we pause, I think we're doing that. So that gets us into that empathetic kind of space where we can at least be helpful. And then in terms of answering, you know, am I loved? We're looking at often just viewing our children as having this little emotional cup that they need filled with connection. And we fill this with often just physical love you know it's hugs and high fives and winks or it's just letting them know I you know I love having time with you and you know I you're enough you know it's this physical showing of love um, sometimes we write notes to our kids but it's you've got to try and somehow show it in a physical way because that's how our kids can process it when we when we're sort of saying answering that question am I safe one of the ways kids will seek attention is often by pushing boundaries. Um, they might be up on a table saying, look at me, and you're saying get down and they're not listening or maybe they're thumping a sibling or it's something that needs us to step in and say, hey, don't worry, I've got the wheel and I'm going to help you out because you're not making a good decision right now. <laughs> when we can do that with confidence and kindness, it's almost like that second big question, which is, you know, am I safe? gets answered because they might not like that we've stepped in and said get down off the table I'm going to help you here but they certainly know that we're at the wheel and I think that's really really important and then I think the third thing as I'm am I seen is really when they're having that hard time in that massive meltdown and we absolutely get down on the ground with them and we do that co-regulation which is so hard to do but Mm. can make difference and we say I see you you're having such a hard time and so that might be by naming emotions but you don't have to get so caught up in the words it's often how you show empathy with your body that matters the most. So basically responding to the need for attention or connection doesn't Mm. necessarily mean you're giving the child what they are tantruming about in that moment because That brings in a whole other level of judgment, like you're soft or you're giving in. But it is also if you respond to that and give them the cup they want, then you're not showing them who's at the wheel. (laughs) They're at the wheel. So you're not necessarily saying you have to respond to the tantrum by giving them what they're upset about. You're saying... Oh, my gosh, it's such a good question. Mm. And, yeah, and such a hard one to navigate as a parent. Yeah, because we all know that we are in that kitchen finding the right cup. <laughs> if yes. it's there, we're going to give it to them to avoid the tantrum. 
Yes. So there's two things I'd say about it. Because often when I'm talking about boundaries in those, you know, am I safe moments, you know, and setting a boundary, the question that I get parents to really think of, is this working for me? And so if, if it's the first cup colour change, and that's going to help everybody to eat their dinner, I mean, you want to ask, is this the hill I want to die on? And you know, <laughs> we're going to give up. Um, and then I think, if it's the 10th cup change and you're thinking this is not working for me to keep getting different cups and it's probably not working for my child, they're almost communicating, help me, set a limit. I don't know what cup I want, you know. And kids will do a lot of that where they say, I want mum to buckle me, no dad, no mum, no dad. And they, and they actually want us to step in and say, you know what, I get that you're having a hard time so I see you but I'm also able to hold my note. So I definitely think you don't always give in. Um, but I sort of want to add that you definitely can sometimes and as long as we're calm about it and we're not giving in because we're scared of the feeling. So just say um, my child says I want a biscuit and I say, you know, my answer is no and then they they lose their tiny little mind, which can happen. <laughs> yes. There's two responses here. There's one where I get so overwhelmed by their reaction. I say, okay, just one. But I, I'm scared by their feeling and then I'm changing my mind based on their feeling and then my child gets this message like my feeling was scary for me but also scary for my parents so much they changed their mind. Mm. And I think that is um, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but there's another scenario where my child does that and let me tell you, Chef, this happens in my house a lot and they go, I really want a biscuit. And then I think to myself, uh, do you know what? Dinner's a while away. And, you know, now that I think about it, he's quite hungry and I'm able to go, give me a second. Okay, I've thought about it and here's what we can do and you can have one biscuit. But that comes from a place of I've taken a beat and I'm able to do that without being scared of the feelings. I think that sends a different message. Speaking of being scared of feelings, what yeah. <laughs> what if the ways that child is acting out is actually quite destructive, like they're breaking something deliberately? Yeah, I would be stepping in and taking charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if so if my child is breaking something deliberately, I'm going to think, my goodness, what is happening? You're really upset and you really need my help. So I'm going to be stepping in and physically stopping them from hurting themselves others or property um, with my body um, and my words and I'd be saying something like I won't let you hit because that helps me step into that role as the, the person in charge that they need in those moments but I would also be acknowledging wow you're really upset something is really not okay and I'm here for you and we're trying to do this it's a balance of kind of you know, in charge or firm, but also kind. Mm. And we're trying not to slip into being so firm we're mean or so kind that we're collapsing. And it's really hard to stay there. <laughs> the thing about that, I think it's too easy to tell people that they're being soft or collapsing when I, I know it's difficult, but I do think it's possible to hold boundaries with kindness. I think it's one of the kindest things you can do for your kids mm. is, that, uh, you know, and almost what we're modelling is, you know, I can love you to the moon and back and still not have to say yes to everything that you wish or want. Mm. And I can 
acknowledge that wish and show you I get that that's hard and you don't have a fully formed brain so that's absolutely fine for you to show me that's your job to let me know that you don't like it and it's my job to sort of kindly hold that that boundary and I think it's super kind because you're also modeling you know when they've got a relationship when they're all grown up or growing up you've let them know that you can love a friend or really like a friend but not have to do everything they want as well. So you're modelling something much bigger around how a good relationship feels and a good relationship we're able to say that doesn't work for me. Are there any times when it's okay to ignore your child in the moment? So I know we've mentioned the old school way of looking at being attention-seeking and ignore it and it will go away. Could you ever say, look, I understand you're not happy, but I'm just going to let you stay here and have your moment. I'm just going to be over here. Is that, <laughs> a, is that ever appropriate? Because there are times when they are really so dysregulated that they want nothing to do with you. Yeah. There's lots going on in that question, Chef. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think that, so first of all, you know, when we look at the evidence of how much of the time do children need us to sort of welcome their feelings is the way we talk about it or to sit there with, you know, all of their feelings. It's around 30 to 40% is what we're shooting to do. And we actually don't want to do this stuff 100% of the time because not only would we burn out as parents, it's not good for kids to grow up thinking that every single emotion I ever have, the world will stop because mm. it's it's not what they need, but they need to know when it really counts that we can stop and do it. Is it ever okay then to just say, I'm stepping out as a parent because I'm overwhelmed? Of course it is. It is really hard to raise kids. And sometimes the kindest thing we can do is walk away and take a time out for us because we just don't have it in us. Many parents that I work with will say, like, I was okay for the first 7th, 14th meltdown, but at the 27th one of that day, I couldn't welcome those feelings and I think I get it, you know, like it's more than we can do. So you can absolutely step away. I think our kids let us know when they really need us, when kids are really dysregulated and even sometimes when they're saying go away and leave me alone. I think the important message for parents to know is that often I think when our children are saying that to us, if they're really dysregulated, they're saying they're almost talking to the feelings. I don't like this feeling, it's horrible, it's scary and I want it to leave me alone. And they kind of say it to us but I think they probably don't want to be left alone but we have to walk a balance between respecting their words and being as close as we can to let them know, hey, I'm here when you need. And so I try to be as close as I can um, but certainly it's okay sometimes to just not do it because it's not in you or sometimes there's just you know this is parenting it's okay to do these things you know good enough 30 percent 40 percent I love that 30 40 percent is good enough be kind to yourselves try and hold your boundaries but it's okay if you're not doing it all the time my goodness kids do not need perfect parents they really don't okay I'm, I'm going with that one Jen thank you so much for your time today thanks Jeff. That's Jen Muir. She's an educator at Connected Parenting. We'll put links to her website in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. 
If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app. And don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.